Do you have trouble turning off your brain meat at night? I invite you to take a break from your thoughts and listen to ours for a while. This is Overthinking with Steph. Quit overthinking alone, overthinking with Steph is better. We're overthinking together. Yep, that was stupid. Let's come up with a whole new intro. Oh, Steph. (laughs) I just re-listened to that little intro part, and you can hear the, like, don't do it again. I have to. Mm. It's like when someone eats a banana and then they try talking right after. No. <laughs> do you remember that conference we went to? I'm just kidding. You can't <laughs> say <laughs> One of the speakers needed a drink desperately and he spoke for like 45 minutes. I can't hear anything they're saying. Mm-mm. All I can hear is the sound. I disregard everything they say. So I figured it's about that time. Mm. You're graduating. I- <laughs> Joshua is graduating yeah. from being the breakdown co-host mm-hmm. to being on the podcast, which should have happened long ago. This is a really big day. I think that we've had so many conversations on the breakdown mm-hmm. that it's just like it makes sense to have you on the podcast. But I think it is important to introduce you to the masses Mm -hmm. outside of Patreon, Mm -hmm. uh, which is where our breakdown episodes live, and kind of tell people a little bit more about what we talk about and what they can be prepared for on my Patreon page, because it is a lot to handle. It can be a lot to handle, but I think... I think I love the breakdown so much because those hard conversations are so necessary. And... I think that's why we left them on the breakdown for so long is because... I wept on one of the episodes. I cried tears. And I don't know that I'm ready for anyone who has access to podcasts to be able to hear my tears. Yeah, they're hard topics and they're very personal topics. There's a lot of vulnerability. And also, I want to say that there are a lot of times I listen to the breakdown episodes and I'm like, people will not be able to follow along with this. So like, yes, we'll break down some of the episodes and topics but sometimes we'll just banter back and forth about our experience with religion and i listened to it last night i listened to one of our episodes on a shofar on the shofar Mm -hmm. and speaking in tongues and i realized we talked for like 25 minutes straight nonstop, even sometimes me interrupting you (laughs) and i i tried to listen as someone else who didn't experience that and I was like, some people will have no idea what we're talking about. And I think it's important to talk about, to talk to those people right now mm-hmm. and also talk about people that do get it um, and why it's important for both of them, those types of people to still listen. It's so interesting that you bring that up because I had a friend of mine the other day who was listening to your podcast and has no experience with like contemporary Christianity or the charismatic Christian movement whatsoever. And he brought that up to me and was like, you know, I love listening, but I'm not familiar with a lot of that content. And so it's, it's difficult to follow at some points because I just didn't know what you were talking about or what we were getting into. I think that's what I'm afraid of is people Mm -hmm. will listen and it's like 25 minutes of two people who have inside jokes together. And you're like, I don't know what they're talking about. Do you think that people are feeling that about, I don't think people are feeling that about the podcast episodes. I think they might feel that way about the breakdown episodes because it really is a lot of banter between the two of us about 
our experiences. That's true. But what's the best way to bring someone in on an inside joke is, you know, when you say something that's funny to just the two of you and there's someone else there. I dismiss it and I say, you had to be there. You had to be there. And then I walk away. (laughs) (laughs) You might, but I don't because I have a lot of inside jokes with a lot of people and my partner is never in on them. And so then I have to tell the story and give the context. And then the next time I make that joke, he knows, or sometimes he'll make the joke next time. Mm. And I think that's what I guess we're doing now is we're letting people that's in true. on the joke. That's true. I like the, how you brought that full circle. I think that anytime I hang out with someone new, I like to make inside jokes with them in that moment. You do it immediately. There are so many opportunities for that in everyday life. And all you have to do is pick up on it, make it an inside thing between Mm -hmm. the two of you. And then I have that with certain people. And I remember those moments, like, for example, you know, going on maybe a road trip with a new client, like Mm -hmm. Christiane and Allie. One time we road tripped from Gilroy, California, the garlic capital, Mm -hmm. to Yosemite. And I just met them. And there are certain things that we did together, like eat garlic ice cream, that I will never do with anyone else. And I have inside jokes with them that like it's just very easy to look for those moments and to make someone feel special and I appreciate when someone does that with me so I hope that you know that's what they would feel like we're kind of including them in on our inside jokes Mm -hmm. for the breakdown yeah I would definitely agree with that I mean I'm not a third party listening to it for the first time so I can just like hope but at the same time I know that you are very inclusive in that way that you try to lay down a joke as fast as possible so that way you have that instant connection. And I really love the act of connecting and bringing people together. That's mm-hmm. why I'm always telling stories. And it could be irrelevant to me. A friend of mine told me this story that happened to their fourth cousin. But if it's funny and I know you'll laugh at it, yep. I'm going to tell it because we then have that moment that I can reference back to the next time I see you or think about you or something like that. That's so true. Do you think that also it's because we're pretty good at reading people's? We're just good at reading people and the situation. And we know kind of how to navigate the conversation to get to a connection as quickly as possible. That's a great way to put it. I don't know. I I guess like a lot of people don't feel that. And I just assumed everyone could because I've done that since I was like a child. I think it was a people pleasing thing. Yeah. And we've talked about that before on either the breakdown or, well, it would have had to have been the breakdown or life (laughs) or life. But that part of that is a trauma response when we are so trained to always be on the lookout for danger Mm -hmm. or anger or, you know, something like that, where we have to be able to pick up on people's attitudes in a moment. We, it just translates, you know, for me, it translated into crisis work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it translated to crisis work, but for you, it translated into firm boundaries (laughs) what the most firm concrete yeah like really really firm walls that's part of why we are so good at connecting is because we've been we've been trained to make sure that we are making connection and making people like us immediately before they have a chance not to that's oh you that you hit the nail on the head Mm. with that before they have a chance not to yeah i think we should elaborate on that too because It doesn't necessarily have to be like you drop us into a room. People aren't really connecting with us sometimes. I mean, I think now that we're aware of what we're doing, and I don't want to generalize and say we're, but like what I usually do now 
is much different than how I would approach it years ago. When someone dropped me in a room, I could be anything to anyone at any time. Mm-hmm. And I know I've said that before. And no one truly gets to know me. It's mm-hmm. just they remember the moment where I'm like entertainment and positive stuff and leave them feeling good. But really, it's like, I don't know that that's actually connecting. But now what I'm doing, or I hope to do, is that people remember me for um, what I've contributed to, mm-hmm. to the conversation. Yeah, I definitely learned to be as charismatic as possible and being very confident and being very funny and not being afraid of attention. And that draws people to you. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, that's where I left it. I would bring people into my area Mm -hmm. and make sure they felt that, oh, wow, he's funny. And then I would leave because I wanted them to have that impression. Now, though, I bring them in and then I make them a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so then they don't leave thinking he's funny. They leave thinking, wow, I had a really good time with him. Right. Mm -hmm. Or also thinking, oh, I know Steph a little better because she's actually telling me why she's presenting herself this way or why she has in the past. Like, I've had people call me fake before or say that I was like very boisterous and that's really, it's social anxiety is Mm. what it is and trying to perform, but it leaves people sometimes with the wrong impression of me. And I think that the breakdown and the podcast episodes are really getting into um, digging a little deeper Mm -hmm. of why I'm actually like that and what I hope to kind of change. Um in the process of growing myself so that people can kind of come on that journey and that process with me of saying, here's how I present to some people. And it can come across as fake or over the top. I felt like I had to do that. Mm -hmm. I had to do that for so much of my life. I had to, the toxic positivity and like having to be bubbly and having to be on all the time carries over into your adulthood because that's all you know. So really trying to balance myself out and saying, I don't want to be exhausted every time I go in a social setting. I want to be real, be myself, but also include people in my life, you know? Yeah. And I think part of the coping is, well, we all cope in different ways, but when you trauma bond with someone, you know, when you go through a shared experience that was painful, you cope together while also coping apart. And that, I know that sounds weird, but what I mean is that like, Steph, you coped with your life and your childhood experiences away from me because we didn't know each other right. and I coped, but in, we were able to cope in similar ways. Mm. And now that we're together and we're talking about it on the podcast and we're laughing about these experiences, that's also a coping mechanism. Mm. And we did cope separately, but now we're also coping together and looking at the ways that we had the shared experience, even though we did not know who the other person was. That's true. I didn't think of it that way. How, how long have we known each other? Um, we've known each other. Well, we've really only known each other for about two years, yep. but we've been on one another's radar for about four and a half, almost five years now. Um, I was working at a crisis center with a friend of mine and we, ironically, <laughs> Or wait, what, didn't I think Lindsay was your cousin? Like, <laughs> you thought she was my... The whole time, like all yeah, the way up cousin. until a year ago, you yeah. were like, oh, my friend Lindsay. And I was like, 
like your cousin Lindsay, and you're like, she's not my cousin, and nor has she ever yeah, been my cousin. She's my coworker, not my cousin. Yeah, always thought um, you were related. Nope. I wish though that would make she's family great. Events. I wish I was related yeah. to Lindsay. Um, but Lindsay, honestly, working there together was a trauma bonding experience because mm. it was horrible conditions, and we saw the worst of humanity and people at their lowest point in their life, and it was, it was very taxing. And the way that we coped with that was latching on to one another. And so we got very close very quick and kind of talked a little bit about our past. And she let me know that my background was very similar to a friend of hers. And she said, oh, her name's Steph. She uh, has this nonprofit. You should look into it. I can connect you over email. And I was like, okay, well, if you're really friends, it wouldn't be over email, but okay. Um, so she's true. like, I'll... I'll tag her on Instagram or something that was yeah my friend Steph that I've never actually met but I follow her (laughs) that happens so frequently yes people have been like oh you work with Steph that's a friend of mine I'm like is it though that's such a huge compliment and also like I mean I've I've I think I've probably done it before with like lesbians who I have mutual friends with and like i follow on instagram oh, and i'm like michelle we're just obama like, yeah you knew that <laughs> kamala <laughs> Bet yeah like wait <laughs> but i've done that i've definitely done that before mm-hmm. where i'm like oh yeah um a buddy of mine and i was like well a buddy of mine on instagram like i have to make sure to say this is someone i have like back and forth with on instagram mm-hmm. but also it is it is flattering for someone to say oh my friend of mine steph but we've never met before it can either be Creepy, it can either be flattering. I always assume well-intentioned creepy. Yes. That I always default to that, and I'm just like, That's a great okay, word. I'm not going to give you any personal information. Thank you for letting me know. All right. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so I knew Lindsay that way, and she knew Steph that way, and so she connected us over email. Her and I, to Lindsay's credit, her and I had met before. Yes, and you were actually friends. So, yeah, it wasn't like she was my friend Steph on Instagram. No, no, no. They were actually friends. Yeah. And so she connected us, and I was like, oh, man, I really, I, it wasn't even want to be part of this. It was I need to make this connection happen because I'm notorious for, like, making the connection and then being like, "Mm, okay, they'll get back to me. And then if they don't, it's whatever. But I wasn't going to let that happen. So for about two years, um, anytime that Steph was in town, I would shoot her a text and just be like, hey, loved watching your travels and wherever you were. Uh, If you have time while you're in town, let's connect. If not, cool. Uh, Let me know or whatever. Just something super casual, no pressure, whatever. And And I was like, oh, it's Lindsay's cousin. Cool. (laughs) We'll connect at some point. (laughs) Um, And it just never happened. And sometimes... Until the pool day, right? Until the pool day. And which was one of the first times you had responded in almost a year. Remember 2018 was my zombie year, though. Yes. I was literally Mm -hmm. a shell of a human being. It was also my zombie year, too. So we met... So yeah, it was one of the first times you had responded in almost a year and said, actually, I'm at the pool today with friends of mine. Do you want to join? I literally pulled a Steph. Yes. Like last minute, I'm here right now. Mm -hmm. Come soak in the pool with me. I wondered if it was one of those like, it's so last minute, it's people he doesn't know, maybe he won't come. No, I... I, um. I've done that before. Yeah, I do it all the time. Full disclosure. I have done that before (laughs) in general. But 
Hmm. No, the answer is no. Okay. I, I, I was hoping you would come. Mm-hmm. There are certain moments when I'm like, I think about, this is off topic, but like if I haven't reached out to certain people, it's every day it's on my radar. Mm-hmm. Like I have friends that I'm like, I haven't talked to them in a month, but every day it's always like right back there. So for a whole year you were on my radar, All right. but in the pool, I don't know what, wasn't Lindsay there? So maybe no, I w- it was two random people I've never seen again. That's my life. <laughs> yeah, just two random lesbians I've never seen again. So I was literally hanging out with two strangers, and then I invited two more strangers to have a pool day well, with Well, you me. knew them. Like, that wasn't the oh, first time you had hung head. out with them. I just have no idea who they were. So I invited you, and I was like, I'm here right now at the pool. Do you want to come Yeah, just have come a pool day hang out. And I had plans that day. I had a full day of plans. You did? And I said dropping all of it because I knew this was like my chance. So I canceled all of my plans and forced Cody to come with me and we hung out at the pool and he hated every minute of it because he didn't know anyone and he's Mm -hmm. an introvert. Mm -hmm. And I had fun because even though you and I didn't really connect, I knew that then was the groundwork for the next time we'd hang out. Did you have your pitch together? No. At that point? No. You always have a pitch, but it's like a secret it's pitch. It's a secret pitch. Yeah. No. But it always My works. pitch was just for friendship at that point. Yeah. Um, but by then, you had already featured me on the Promote Love website. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yes. uh, I got some weird emails from Oh, I can't. Yeah, I mean, people. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine. Um, I was featured at that point, And... I knew that the next time you were in town, you would let me know because mm-hmm. it was just like, we yep. had finally made the face-to-face connection. We laughed a lot. You <laughs> knew I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Great. That's exactly how it goes. Does this person make me laugh? Mm-hmm. Do they hold their own? Like they have mm-hmm. their own, like they're interesting, yeah. right? intriguing. They can banter. And I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. Yeah. yeah. Those are the three things. Yeah. And so you had a get together at your loft. Yes. Yeah. A music get together, a live music show. And another night when I had plans and I canceled those plans again and Cody and I showed up and we did, that's when we made the connection. We stayed up until 2 or 3 a.m. I mean, that was like a a year and a half ago, I want to say. I remember that. We stayed up till three in the morning afterwards talking about religion with a bunch of people. And then a few months later is when you asked me to be on the board. Mm -hmm. And then a few months after that is when I made the pitch to work with you. The sneaky pitch. The sneaky pitch. And it worked. It did and, work. Yeah. And here we are. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we've been working together for over a year now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then having the breakdown conversations, which I think I was telling my friend this two nights ago, that you're my first, um, hmm, try not to offend anyone, but it's true. You're my first real friend who I feel like I have healthy conversations with. And we're able to be honest and like establish our boundaries. And if something goes wrong, we will tell each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's rare. So I, I told this friend that and, and it kind of hit me like, I just appreciate you. I appreciate Aww. our conversations because I'm not good at conversations. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think you hit on a really interesting point. A lot of people on their journey to being emotionally healthy and mature 
start learning about boundaries and how to establish boundaries. But part of having boundaries is also learning how to push boundaries with people you trust Mm -hmm. to start expanding. And I think that's something you and I do really well is we have these firm boundaries, but during these vulnerable conversations or that we just happen to be recording for the masses <laughs> to be recording, um, or the really hard conversations, we're able to kind of let those walls down a little bit right. and push the boundaries so that way we can grow as individuals, but also together. together mm-hmm. Right. Because it's important for our friendship and conversations also work. And you know me very well for mm-hmm. such a short amount of time. And that does speak volumes to you too. And also to my ability to be vulnerable with you, which has taken time, but, mm-hmm. um, I was just talking to my therapist about this um, first. I really didn't even know what boundaries were, I would say, until maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Three years. That's so fresh. I'm 37. That's mm-hmm. my mid-30s. Um, or like the word codependency. And, you know, boundaries for me looked like a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a wall up. I'm protecting myself. It's armor. But what I've been talking to my therapist about recently is like you can choose to take down that wall with certain people and not be so extreme. And I'm extreme like I'm either in or I'm all out. Yeah. And I would say for me, my exploration of my own personal boundaries started probably five or six years ago. And I didn't really start developing healthy boundaries until about four years ago when I came out. Mm. And mine don't look like walls any longer. Mine are more just different types of barriers. So with some people, I have a wall and you're not going to get past it. But with others, it's a fence Mm. and people can see through it. And then with other people's, it's a gate and, you know, things like that where I can let people in at will. It's still going to be there and they're invited to come visit, but they're Mm -hmm. not going to stay there. It's there for a reason, you know. Walls, fences, revolving doors one of my favorite things to do when i'm walking through well i have two favorite things one is to get to in with a stranger to get in with a stranger <laughs> i knew it because i do the same thing and it's like crowded but it's not one of the big ones no it's, it's a literally little one. like the tiniest and you space. just squeak in and right you before to, you have to take tiny real, tiny like, steps with them. steps yeah and they're like they don't want to look back yeah and but you're breathing but breathing on their your... neck <laughs> i just yelled yeah, yeah. Um, or if I'm walking in there, I just suddenly stop. So the whole thing stops and people run into it in yep. front of them. I, That's it. I feel like I've definitely gone through a hotel revolving door with my luggage and it never works out, but Mm-mm. I still continue to do it. I think I want to go back to, so religious trauma, for example, yes, which we had similar experiences, mm-hmm. which we're learning about, mm-hmm. but also um, different enough to still continue to learn about each other's experience, but also where we can joke about it now mm-hmm. which we do on the breakdown it's a more casual conversation where we 25 minutes of an episode was us talking about you know people speaking in tongues and like banners and like praise pats and mm-hmm. like our jokes about church and our upbringing which some people could be offended by if easily offended but that is also how we cope with what we've gone through plus there's a lot of weird things that happen in religion that I'm like I was a part of that, but now looking back, I'm like, that was weird. Very weird. And, and just funny. like bizarre. And it is funny to look at it now and see where we are versus where we came from. And view it through a different lens because it just was so focused in on that's the only way. This is all I know. And it felt like if I joked about it then, 
I would be sent to the lake of You're fire. A right? heretic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very interesting, I guess, to see this journey of being very hurt by religion and being very hurt by my experiences. And then now being able to talk about it openly and not just talk about it, but laugh about it too. Yeah. And there's healing in the laughter mm-hmm. and there is healing in being able to sit down with someone and be like, listen, do you remember, you know, blah, 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 X, Y, Z, you know, and it's just these shared experiences that give us this connection and allow us to make light of the horrible things that we went through. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, Because when you're going through it, it just seems normal. Mm -hmm. And then when you remove yourself from it and you find someone else that went through it in a different state that you had no connection with, you're like, okay, I'm not alone anymore. And you can joke about being in third grade and being told to speak in tongues when you're like, I'm just still learning my times tables. Like what I'm supposed to like, Things that seem funny now, but at the time you're like, this is my whole life. This Everything revolved around making, um, anyway, just everything revolved around that. Yeah. And I honestly, I can see how some people who weren't hurt by their religious upbringing, I think I can see how someone looking in who's not aware of the context that we're viewing this in or that we're laughing at could be offended. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that we've had several conversations both on the podcast and off the podcast about how careful we are to not actually disparage anyone who has a genuine belief, whether that be in Christianity or if someone is Buddhist or atheist or whatever, because everyone's on their own journey and is entitled to their faith or no faith or whatever you want to call it. It's just our specific experiences with specific things are hilarious at times. It's true. Yeah. But I can also see how people on the outside looking in would want to learn about this as well. Or people who have had similar past as us find that connection that you and I found together as well. Because I remember you telling me that you've had messages of people that have reached out and said something along those lines, right? Yeah. I mean, some of the messages that I've screenshotted and sent to you uh, saying that they pause the the episodes and they go Google enmeshment trauma or they Google something that we've said and it hits home for them because this is something that a lot of people have gone through who've maybe blocked that out or couldn't. It, it takes so much time sometimes to go back and try and work through your stuff from years and years and layers of of trauma. Well, and if you remember, I was my friend that I was talking about earlier, one of the things that he said was that he listens, but he doesn't have any real experience to contemporary Christianity. So a lot of what we say and joke about, it's a new experience for him. And so it's been really interesting for him to listen to these episodes and start understanding what a shofar is or what it means to be in a hyper-controlled religious atmosphere that he may be able to identify with, but on a different level. And it's part of what we were talking about, bringing someone into that inside joke, making that level of connection with someone who went through the same thing, but not with you, which is why I think it's so important to remember that there are going to be people on the outside looking in that 
may take offense or that may not understand why we're laughing, but there are those that are also on the outside looking in desperately trying to come in and say, I went through this too. I want to be in on the joke now. I want to heal through this. I would hope that someone who is listening, who is offended by the content or offended that we're laughing at something that they hold dear, I would hope that they take that and analyze it and think critically and be like, well, it didn't hurt me. Why did it hurt them? What was it that is different between us that gave me a good experience and them a bad one? Was it just a matter of, hey, they went to a different church? Well, no, because this is two people who went to different churches in different states, technically different denominations, had the same experience. So it has to be something more. So I'm hoping that if we do offend someone, they are able to take that as a learning experience and think critically. I remember watching in this the vow I was telling mm-hmm. you about the not the one with Channing Tatum who looks oh. like a big toe, but the vow was um, about the cult, mm-hmm. that cult, and I remember watching that and thinking like, how did they not know they were getting into this like scheme, like this business scheme that was going to turn into brainwashing? It was like they had their own language mm-hmm. and their own way of talking, and I'm like, the things that we've said on the breakdown in the podcast about like you know, a hedge of protection or like certain phrases that only people brought up in certain religions said. There are very healthy churches that allow their congregants to question their faith. I mean, even in the Bible, it's encouraged to question and to understand. But then there are the other churches that go the opposite direction. And it is all about control and it's about power And I think that's where you start crossing the line into having more of a cult perspective on Mm -hmm. things because you're not allowed to question those in charge. There is vernacular that you have to use and adhere to or you are deemed an outsider. There's a lot of isolation that comes from that because it's you don't associate with the sinners and you need to be witnessing. And if you're not winning souls for Christ, then what are you doing? And there's shame that all plays back into that control aspect. You know, I also think that there's a good amount of ignorance that happens Mm -hmm. where maybe adults did not question their parents. I talked about this on the solo session where they just believed certain things and went along with it because that's what their parents did. And so the second their kids question them, it's like, oh, this is just what we do. You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes maybe they don't have answers for very difficult questions and they're not ready to question their entire upbringing with the, or their parents. Well, yeah. And especially with the I have to know mentality and I have to be right mentality. A lot of times, I mean, and this is in and out of the church, it's viewed as a negative thing to say, I don't know, or to say, I haven't learned yet. Yep. And so when you have an adult who is asked a question by a child and they don't know the answer, it's so much easier to say, you're not supposed to question that Mm -hmm. than it is to say, you know, I'm going to have to ask the pastor. I don't have that answer yet, Mm. you know, and that just creates this atmosphere of ultimate control and control coupled with fear yeah is a dangerous place to be and i'm not saying that certain religions are that way or all religions are that way but there was a lot of fear not every religion is like that that was 
part of my experience. So that is going to be what I talk about. In combination with the fear and the power dynamic, there's so much shame attached to it still, even for me, because one of the things that I would love to talk about is my current views on Christianity Mm -hmm. and how I believe that Christianity is, you know, X, Y, and Z. But see, even then I'm censoring myself because I am, I'm, I don't want to offend anyone who does still believe it. Right. But at the same time, I personally believe that there is extreme value in thinking critically and hearing you know, the opposition to your beliefs, because then it challenges you to think about it and be like, well, it's not just he's wrong. It's why is he wrong? And it's not just, well, the Bible tells me so it's, well, no, this plus this plus this, you know, and then it kind of creates that foundation for their belief. I wish when I was younger or even in my teenage years, someone someone would have talked like we are right now and challenged my way of thinking Mm -hmm. in a non-threatening way, you know, to where I was like, well, you know, but I was so quick to be like, they're a sinner. They're going to hell and I haven't saved them yet. It's like easy to switch and like not hear that person's mm-hmm. story the second they're, they oppose your views or just don't align with it. And I remember when you were first talking about starting overthinking with Steph and I asked you, are you going to have guests on there that you disagree with? Mm. <laughs> you very adamantly said, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about agreeing. It's about the conversation. Mm-hmm. And you have. There are two specifically that I can think of. Kaylee? Where, yep. Mm-hmm. Kaylee specifically. You didn't agree you know, with her viewpoints and you didn't agree with her faith even. But you know what? It's not your faith. Right. And she has a very valid reason for believing the way that she does. And it interacts with her daily life. So let her have it. And I understand that like not everyone was raised in the church the way that I was. Mm -hmm. But it's very important not to dismiss her upbringing, but also don't dismiss mine, which she she didn't. But like also it's very easy for a lot of people who have had a positive experience in church to quickly say, well, you were just in the wrong church Mm -hmm. or you were in a church that, you know, didn't follow certain. And you know, that there's a different way of approaching that, that I'm still learning that doesn't dismiss someone's story Mm -hmm. and doesn't dismiss them. Yeah. Um, But ultimately like Kaylee and I, She's incredible and wonderful, but we are, we butt heads on certain things, but that's what life is about, you know? I had a friend, and I think I might have mentioned this, but I had a friend that I added on, we met through volleyball, I added on Facebook. He is a incredibly conservative gay man, Mm -hmm. and that did not compute with me, Mm -hmm. and so we went at it over a Facebook like someone posted something, a mutual friend, and we went at it in the comments because I could not understand their viewpoint. Well, anyway, fast forward a year, we met in volleyball and became friends. And he was like, hey, you clearly do not remember that I am the one you argued with, but I remember. And I was like, okay, I remember that conversation. And I think I'm open to continuing a conversation, but it needs to be in person. And Mm -hmm. so we ended up meeting a few different times to talk about you know, these really difficult topics. And you know what? We did not agree once, literally about anything. Yeah. And I have a lot. Except liking dudes. Except liking dudes. But even then, Mm. there's some differences on like 
whether or not it's okay or, oh, you know, it. things like that. Like it's, there's so much in conflict with our basic ideology that we could bond over volleyball or drag race or like these other aspects. But when it came down to it, I don't know that I could count him as a close friend because he may vote against my rights and his own. Yeah. And it was just, it's, it was a hard conversation for me because I care about him deeply, but I had to rationalize, Hey, I can't be close with someone that's going to hurt me like this on a regular basis. And not just selfishly, but some of the things I said hurt him even unintentionally. And so recognizing that we'll just never be close really helped but we had and that. And that's okay. To, it you don't is have to okay. be close with every single person. Well, yeah. And I never once invalidated his faith and he didn't invalidate my lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And you know, Anna and Marcus, my best friends, they're a straight married couple that identify as Christian. Mm-hmm. And you know what we do a lot? Talk about religion. And you know what? We're still best friends because we have a difference of faith, but we don't have a difference in morality or values. So true. And you're not telling someone what to believe in or what not to believe in. You're not trying to convince them or save them or bring them onto your side. It's literally sharing your stories and what you believe in. And it's okay for that to be different. Mm -hmm. We need to, I don't feel like we were funny in this one, but we're funny in the breakdown. And how do you find the breakdown, Josh? You can find the breakdown on Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, because a lot of people don't. It's a membership service. It's a membership service where you can get access to all of Steph's content, whether that be the breakdown episodes, the overthinking with Steph episodes, which are available everywhere anyway. An RTS group. uh, Which is religious trauma syndrome and all behind the scenes content and things like that as well. Just exclusive content. And it allows you different tiered access. So if you don't want to pay $50 a month to be a part of, you know, this upper level tier, you can pay $5 and have access to the breakdown and be part of the community. Well, Hey, thanks for overthinking with Steph. Can't wait to hear from you on the social. So make your way over to at Steph's podcast on Twitter and tell me your thoughts. Catch the breakdown on Patreon where we get into the nitty gritty and overthink the conversations in this episode. Until next time, keep creating scenarios that will never actually happen and live your one damn life. Don't you hate it when you wake up first thing in the morning? Mind is stirring. It's a wreck. Oh, I think I was sad. Cool your jets. Go to bed. Get out of your Do you ever drink something and it feels like you have sweaters on your teeth afterwards? That's what this Abuelita hot chocolate is doing to my teeth right now. I don't know that I would have ever said the word sweaters and teeth together, but yeah. But you know the feeling. That makes sense.